Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 125. I'm Evan Marinovsky. That's Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. And the Bruins are currently on their west, or not west coast road swing, but but like southwest. Southwest, yeah. southwest road swing, uh, which means some late games. It was weird. It's like 10 o'clock last night. It wasn't even the end of the second. I was like, let's go here. Especially against that abs team that missing quite a few pieces uh which we'll get to later in this show um but first trent frederick here's another guy who uh we'll dive right into it here's another guy who we we weren't very high on at the beginning of the year right we were kind of down to nick felino nick felino said screw you guys and completely proved us wrong proved everybody wrong we were not the only ones in that camp by the way um and same with trent frederick you know, Frederick was a guy who um, looked good for a little bit last year when he played with uh, Coyle and Smith. Uh, but now, oh, now it's like a whole new guy out there with this third line. Yeah, it's something where you look, especially in that last game where I think Jim Montgomery even said it best after after the, the win, mentioning Frederick and the fact that like we didn't know he had a one-timer. I mean, his goal wasn't just... You've seen a couple of his goals been him either like cleaning up a rebound down low or hanging around that great AI. It's like he rifled that one past Georgiev. Um, and he's had a pretty good shot, too. I think in one of his two goal games recently, he had a really nice uh, finish from the slot as well. It kind of beat the goalie clean. So I think for the Bruins, you look at that third line and just how well they're playing right now. Yes, you look at, you know, who are the conduits as to why that line's playing so well. You can look at. Taylor Hall, who's really not a third liner, but, you know, his skill, his speed, especially look at Charlie Coyle, who I think has been one of the many unsung heroes on this team in terms of just how effective he's been at playing his game. Again, I think Charlie Coyle, his strange sometimes don't get translated in terms of baseline production, but when you see him, you know, playing keep away with the puck, um, you know, extending ozone possessions, he's been very, very effective in that regard. But I think you have to give credit to a guy like Frederick, who's, uh, complemented that line pretty well. You know, it's one thing if he was just the same Frederick we've seen in the past where, you know, inconsistent play, but adds a little bit of snarl, maybe takes a bad penalty, has a good finish around the net, but you're seeing him, I think, get more comfortable in that spot. I mean, if if you looked at Frederick in that last game compared to where he was maybe a year ago, I don't think he'd be even attempting like a one-timer from the slot or anything like that. He just seems like he's settling in well there. He's not 
changing his game. He's not reinventing the wheel by any means. But in terms of what you're looking for to complement that line, in terms of doing the kind of the dirty work, right? Like win battles along the board, put yourself in good positions to clean up pucks. He's doing that. I mean, you look at his production and six points in his last five games. He's taking the strides. And for the Bruins, who have been pretty consistent in terms of keeping him in that third line spot because they thought that he had a little bit more to give than just a, let's say, pure checking line forward. You're starting to see a little bit more of that production finally kind of emerge here over the last couple of games. Well, the offensive confidence is just there, right? And this is something we really didn't see a ton of, as you said, last year. Uh, Whether that's the coaching change, whether that's an an extra year in the league, uh, I don't know. But I will say again, like, I don't think this is a flash in the pan. It doesn't look that way, at least. I mean, he looks like he belongs, which we really have not seen yet uh, in his career. And that third line, I mean... Hall, Coyle, Frederick, they all bring something different, which is, again, what Montgomery wants. And again, I mean, you're seeing Taylor Hall, who's been exploding. I mean, this might be Hall's best stretch as a Bruin, I think. I mean, I I just, given the the games that he's played and uh, how good he's been, not just points, but zone entries and kind of the whole shebang there. I mean, like, again... You said this, I think, on the on Bruins beat or the last poke the bear. Like, if you told me at the beginning of the year Taylor Hall's on the third line, I would say, like, oh God, what happened? Like, what what had to transpire for this to take place? And that hasn't been the case at all. And also, it's talent. It's a it's a mismatch. Like, yeah, there's no. I think Taylor. I think we can all agree that Taylor Hall is the best third liner in the league. I don't think it's even particularly close. <laughs> um, Hart Trophy winner just a few, you know, bunch of seasons ago, and. You know, to match him up with Frederick uh, and Charlie Coyle down the middle, who defensively has been outstanding. I mean, yeah. terrific. And, you know, like just the, the defensive zone usage and everything. Um, I don't know how you can't like what you've seen from them. And also, guess what? It was against really good opponents. Against really good opponents. I know they were missing some guys. That has to be said, which we'll get to again in a bit. But, you know, they've been playing well against the light. I mean, this is the hardest stretch of the season. And this third line has been their best line. Which, again, hits at this point. When the playoffs roll around and you're playing a team over seven games, your top lines will get shut down from time to time. It's up to your third and fourth lines to step up. And right now, the third line is stepping up against really hard competition. Yeah, it's key. And it's something that I think we even touched on this after the Bruins game against the the Avalanche at TD Garden, where you look at how demoralizing a game like that is. And again, sure, you know, we'll touch on the fact that Colorado was banged up. But from a pure matchup perspective... The, you know, the Bruins have had a pretty set formula in terms of like the best practices to beat them. And a lot of it tends to revolve around shutting down the Bergeron line and trying to shut down Krejci, whoever else is in that top six. Not really, you know, breaking new ground here in terms of, you know, negating your best players will help you in a seven game series. But teams have focused in on it. And even in situations where, let's say, look at like the Carolina series where, Marsh, uh, Marsh and I think had seven points in seven games or, or what have you, if you can still somewhat bottle them up and, and, you know, make sure that the rest of the line doesn't kind of land their punches further down the depth chart, you have a pretty good way to beat the Bruins. If you're at the Colorado Avalanche who over the last couple of games, yes, they're banged up, but um, have limited how much damage a guy like Marchand or Bergeron have done to you. That's all well and good. That's if you're going through the checklist of how to beat the Bruins check that's that Ooh. helps out quite a bit. What do you do when further down your lineup, you have guys on your third line that are getting just hemmed in and getting, you know, put on the ropes by a third line of Coyle, Hall, and Frederick? Like, 
you don't, unless you have some absurd depth, unless you're like the the lightning from a few years ago where you could roll out and match up a uh, uh, Barclay Goudreau, uh, Blake Coleman, Yanni Gord, which was probably the best third line in the league for a while. Um, you, you don't have like just the the pure personnel to do that, right? Unless you're like the most balanced team out there, it's easier said than done to slow down a guy like Hall or, or even a guy like Coyle. I think the Nesson broadcast made a good uh, note of this in the game on Wednesday against Colorado, you know, Coyle's impact beyond, as we've already said of just that puck possession, it's just, it wears you down, right? Like you're either trying to get the puck for him, you're expending energy, trying to slow him down. And it takes a toll over the course of a, over the course of a game. It's almost kind of like a bruising running back, like a Derrick Henry, where yes. even, even in like the, the, the plays where he maybe only gains two, three yards, which rarely happens with Derrick Henry. The more times you run, yeah, the more times you run into that offensive line, the more damage you do to the other team in terms of kind of that war of attrition, it mounts up. And especially if you want to look at it through the lens of a seven-game series, if this third line's playing like they are now, that can shift the momentum easily in a series in terms of not just how much that line can kind of expose, you know, weak links on the other team's roster, but the way they're playing right now, I mean, so far that line's been together for roughly 40 minutes. They've outscored team six to one. It's it's it doesn't make any sense in terms of if you want to look at Hall and Coyle last year and how that didn't work out. You want to look at the fact that uh Frederick, you know, has taken this nice step forward. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense in terms of just how it's worked, but sometimes that's hockey, isn't it? It doesn't make any sense to find those correlations to view what you think is the best fit. Sometimes it just works out on the ice like that. Sometimes you just roll with it. Like Ramondre Stevenson, just running through uh, O-lines, which is always just a, a pleasure to watch. But I agree. Again, doesn't make a lot of sense. No one could have projected it. No one. I don't think I saw a single person project the lines at the end of the year and say, you know, Taylor Hall, third line. They would get ratioed. That would have got ratioed. That would not have gotten past anybody um, without getting made fun of. But it's working out quite well. Safe bet. Safe bet that they're going to continue uh, their good play on the third line. We're talking really safe bets. We're talking about your good friends over at Bet Online. Right, you are, Evan. Listen up, guys. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Over at Bet Online, you can still find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, the latest fighting news, NFL bets, and yes, with the NHL back, even more wages and odds. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs esports, and more. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code CLNS50. Bet online where the game starts. Stats. Where the game starts, Kana. Um, What's funny is, speaking of where the game's starting... Uh, Tage Thompson. Who? Who? Oh, it's so funny. So that game, uh, that game, I got home from St. Sebastian's like right before the start. I had whenever I go out to cover a game, I, I go out and get dinner. I get pizza, which is so dumb. This is going to backfire so hard at the end of the year when I've had like a zillion small cheese pizzas. Um, But I had pizza in hand and I, I sat down. I'm like, you know what? Bruins don't play till later. I'm going to watch some of the TNT game. You know, why not? Um, And they were doing the. I love the pregame show. I love TNT. Not, you know, I'm not with Turner anymore, but I love TNT and what they the, the hockey content they do. I'm not a corporate shill anymore, guys. Don't worry. And uh 
I'm watching it. And then I said, you know what? It's it's Sabres, Blue Jackets. I'm going to do something. I'm going to go somewhere else. You know, I'm going to go upstairs, play Xbox, write, write a story. Like, I'm not, I don't want to watch this game. And then I looked down at my phone like 30 minutes later and Chris Johnson tweets, you know, four goal period for in 16 minutes and 20 seconds for Tage Thompson. And I said, oh, maybe I missed something, didn't I? <laughs> Holy shit. I, what a force though. Like when yeah. that save team is actually good. Ooh, <laughs> it, it's it's crazy how much the the narrative has kind of changed, and I don't think the the Blues are regretting that O'Reilly deal at all because it got them a no. Stanley Cup. But when you look at for years that was viewed as such this lopsided trade, it's looking more and more like a move that I think is what all parties hope that happens when you have a larger trade in which both parties stand to benefit. The Blues got O'Reilly, who is a key cog, if not the most important part of what helped them win that Stanley Cup. And now Buffalo, even though um, you, you move on from a guy like O'Reilly, one, they weren't going to contend anyway, and you get no. useful pieces back. I mean, Tage Thompson, like, and credit to Thompson, like, he went from being a guy that looked as like he could be like a versatile, like, bottom six guy to now, all right, potential top six weapon to, like, franchise cog. He looks like elite dude. He looks like a Rick Nash with like a better shot. Like it's, yeah. it's crazy how he's kind of just taking those strides. You, you rarely see that happen with a guy who had a lot of promise when he was at UConn take, you know, a step where he could be a useful NHL, but then just gradually elevate into a guy that could be like a, a constant 40 goal scorer. Like you don't see that jump really, especially once they already been in the league for a little bit. And he's six, eight mother's day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a big boy. Like that's it. And again, I know scouts drool over guys who are tall and big, but my God. And and we make fun of that, but like, holy crap. Like this guy is a freaking force. And you just, I mean, again, he signed that contract in the off season. You get a lot more now, um, but you see just, uh, you know, what he can do and what he's going to be in the Atlantic division when that team is, as I said, actually good when they're older. I mean, they have the core there. Cousins, uh, like Jack Quinn, uh, Owen Power, Delete. Like, it's a really good team over there. And when the Sabres are good, if they can figure out goaltending and everything and put the pieces together, they're going to be good. Um, but a team that did not have the pieces all together, Colorado Avalanche. And it was not really their fault. It was a lot of injuries. And it's unfortunate. That's the unfortunate part of playing a team twice in a week that you only play twice all year, is that if there are injuries... You don't really get a good, fair shot at uh, who they are. Now, the Bruins beat them soundly in both games. Neither was ever close, but uh, no McKinnon on uh, Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. No Landis Cog, no Josh Manson. Um, I'm forgetting someone else. There was uh, 
There's some other big and injuries that they have. Byram. All them. Byram. Yeah, Manson. He said Lekkinen, Nishuskin, all, all these guys. Like, it's crazy. The whole lineup, Evan Rodriguez. Like, they've been – even, like, guys that are, like, bottom six guys that would be obviously promoted to the top six. They didn't even have those guys available. No. It's not oh, my good. God. No. So, um, unfortunate that we didn't really get to see the, the juice that could be produced from a Bruins Ave series, which, uh, again, I mean, maybe, again, if they play in – June, then we get to see it. And if the Bruins don't ever play the abs again this year and the Bruins win a cup, maybe it's a blessing in disguise. Um, yeah. Do you think the abs, do you think the abs could potentially have their season somewhat derailed because of these injuries? You'd think that that team has still enough talent and enough kind of playoff metal to go through it, but you can only have so much of that before, you know, the dam kind of breaks, right. In terms of just the amount of bodies you're missing. It's not just they're missing, you know, there's been plenty of times we've seen the avalanche over the years where guys like Landeskog or McKinnon get banged up and miss a little bit of time. But to have it all happen at once, I would assume they'd still be able to just try, kind of tread water. It almost feels like what the Bruins felt like they were in, going into the season in terms of, well, if you can just tread yes. water for a few weeks, it, you'll be fine. But we'll see. I, I still think that team can, one, pile up enough points or at least stay afloat in the meantime out west, especially if you still have guys like Ranton and Makah um, and the way those guys play. You can beat down on teams like Arizona or some of these other teams out west and still be in the picture, and then once guys gradually get back, go on another run. So I'm not really worried their season's going to get derailed, but I'll tell you, if it does kind of the – if the dam does break and these guys are really struggling and maybe they make a late push, but they're still kind of out of sync – I think there'll be a lot of other teams in the NHL that'd be very relieved to see that because that's still a team that if they're healthy or even if they're at 85% of their capabilities, but still have guys like McKinnon and Makar and those guys ready to go, you don't want to play them in a seven game series. I don't care what their goaltending is or what, but one being Bruce Cassidy. I think Bruce Cassidy would be quite pleased if the avalanche are not there at the end of the season in their way. Um, But yeah, good games. Good for the Bruins, obviously, yes. two wins, but I don't think we can look back and be like, oh, they dominated, you know, heavyweight avalanche teams. I mean, at least on Saturday, there was McKinnon. Uh, there was not even McKinnon on Wednesday night. Yeah. So um, can't can't do the whole like, oh, see, the Bruins are real. You know, they're legit. Now, I mean, they are legit, but you can't just base it off those two games. But uh, something happened after the uh, the Avs game on uh, on Wednesday night. Thursday morning is um, the, Celtic, fans the were... Celtics blew out the Suns, right? You're talking. Oh about yes, good news. that also that also happened. So it was a lot two, of good two news. good teams in this market. The only two good teams in this market anymore. Um, but as uh, I, like as I was going to bed, like literally, like turning over, looking at my phone, Putting one on the nightlight. Yes, Put on the yes. jammies. <laughs> that was me. But the best part was I was I was turning over. <laughs> turning over <laughs> putting on my my feety pajamas um as i was turning over to look at my phone one last time i saw the uh, the bleacher report notification and the espn notification that xander bogarts was headed to the san diego padres and you you bruins fans are probably thinking well that's terrific evan and connor but what does that have to do with the bruins and i texted you and ty something right as this was happening and i said hmm Makes you wonder what uh, tweet notifications we're going to get on July 2nd about uh, David Pasternak. Because he is still not signed. He is still not signed. He is still just not extended. And we said this all year with Bogarts last year and Devers now. Uh, What are the parallels between Pasternak and Bogarts? Feels like Pasternak has a better chance of getting locked up. 
Yeah, I think when you look at it, and not to delve into a Red Sox hour here, but I think when you look at most of the frustration or the anger from Red Sox fans, it's not Bogart's getting the bag or getting that 11-year deal. Like, I mean, good for him for signing that. Like, I don't think the Red Sox should have dropped, you know, committed to 11 years to a guy who's already 30 years old. So, but I think the, the frustration is not signing him sooner, you know, for the Red Sox in spring training, not giving him seven, eight years at over 200 million pricey, but within what the market is asking for. And when you look at the Red Sox and the gamble they they went into, I'm sure they probably thought going into this, this offseason, yes, it's going to be pricey, but we have an idea of what the market's going to be. No one's expected 11 years and even 280 oh, million. Yeah, not even 280 million for a guy like that. Um, so it just goes to show, I think, beyond just baseball, I think any team, especially the Bruins, it shows you the the risk and you know the the opportunity or the the scenario in which you're playing with fire in terms of you know not getting these deals uh taken care of ahead of time and then running the risk of going into free agency where anything can happen. You feel like you have a good pulse on the market and all of a sudden you have a very desperate team that needs a superstar, that needs a buzz, that has the money. Look at the Padres. Padres, I think, tried to I think it threw four hundred million dollars at Aaron Judge, who said yeah. no. So what are they gonna do? Oh, they panic and they're gonna throw eleven years at Bogarts. Like, what's <laughs> to say that the Bruins feel like they're in the driver's seat if you're in uh in the offseason in July, as you said? And what's gonna stop a team like the Kings who maybe that's have a downturn the team. at the end of the that year? That is the team. That is, is the it, team. What I think. stops a team like the Devils, who probably make a big stride this year? but maybe fall short as most young teams do. And like, you know, you're, you're running pretty good and you hit a wall though. Once you get to the playoffs, it feels like every team like that takes their lumps over their first kind of legit playoff run. And what the stops did. them? Yeah. What stops them from being flushed with cash? now with so many younger guys excelling to the throw of the bag at Pasternak as well. Right. Like and not so, just the bag, but with the team, like the devils, they can say, Hey, you want to play with Jack right. Hughes? Yeah. Hey, you're literally right. You can see Empire State and all of New York City right there. We know New York's not shiny. You can you can stay in New York. We won't tell anyone, but the path goes right into Newark. It's fine. Yeah, like, beautiful. I, it, it's, it's one of those things where, again, it's not trying not to sound super alarmist, but you can see exactly where you feel like whatever leverage or whatever best case scenario you can map out can fall to the wayside when you get to free agency. You can look at the you know ability to spend the the relationship with the player the tenure how important they are obviously but when you have an opportunity where every team can open up their checkbook teams that are more desperate than you that are desperate beyond just the on ice product just to make a splash you're running to, you're, you're playing with fire if you're a team that's that's hoping you can retain someone once they hit free agency like that so for the bruins again we're gonna sound like a broken record Got to get that deal done at some point. Got to do it. I don't know if it's oh. during the all-star break or, or what have you, but you got to find something to avoid running into a situation where it's for agency because Bruins could be in the driver's seat. People pretty much said the Red Sox had momentum going into it, and then the Padres give Scott Boris a call, and the rest is history. I don't, there's not really a Scott Boris, but I think J.P. Barry is going to have quite a few people calling with some very high figures if it gets to that point in early July. Oh, yes. And again, I mean, you even look at Pasternak, you know, just away from the points, but you look at the game against the Abs the other night when he was just dangling around Makar, like just protecting yeah. the puck. Like other teams are watching that and saying, you know, if he does hit the open market, here's 13 million over eight years. Here's 13.5 million over eight years. He is a flashy player. He is young. He has personality. He is everything you would want if you were a franchise Um to uh, build around and everything. And again, I know it, this this seems like fear-mongering 
because again, they could sign him tomorrow or the all-star break and this will all be over as they should, but he's not signed yet. And when things like this happen, even in other sports, you sit there and go, Hmm, all right, well, that could happen. And you know, you hope it doesn't because that's a huge hit. That's a generational player. Um, and by the way, both, you know, Bogarts, all reports wanted to stay here, you know, and I think the same way it can be said for, for like Posh talk who probably doesn't want to leave, you know? So, yeah. uh, anyways, uh, quite the week, quite the week and quite the news. Uh, what can we look forward to from you over at BSJ? Yeah, we're going to have you covered every step of the way this season. So even though the Bruins are on the road, I will be, I'll turn on my nightlight and got my footy pajamas on and I'll be following diligently for all these late games, uh, over at bostonsportsjournal.com with our live coverage, our game reports, features, columns, Q&As, all that good stuff every single day. So please subscribe over at bostonsportsjournal.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter as well, you can at, at Connor Ryan underscore 93. There you go. You nailed it. Almost forgot, almost forgot my Twitter handle. So That's always good when you forget the Twitter handle. Uh, anyways, make sure to go do that. That's Connor Ryan, Evan Marinovsky, Poke the Bear listeners. Have a great rest of your week. 